0: Welcome to another edition of EPM iCast, and we're back again at Oracle Cloud World with Mr. Matthew Bradley. Hi, how are you?
1: Doing good. Good to see you guys again.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Sure. My pleasure. And so, um, you know, we've, it's been about a year since we spoke last. Yep. And Cloud World has grown tremendously.
1: Uh, yeah, there's been, registration has been up, so it's been very, very positive. So Absolutely. It's good yeah. to see people back, and uh, the casinos thronging throwing with lots of, you know, <laughs> finance folks moving back and forth between the sessions very very packed very very uh it's good vibe
0: yeah we've seen that in fact a lot of sessions have been almost oversold and mm-hmm. if there's a waitlist mm-hmm. there are quite a few of them so yeah really great to see that activity
1: yeah i got waitlisted myself today i had a how to pull rank <laughs> <laughs> don't you know who i am you know.
0: <laughs> so well i think a lot of our listeners know who you are and we definitely know who you are and um you know uh it's always nice to speak with folks that have uh their eye on the direction of where the tools and EPM is going in general. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us, Matt, what are you most
1: excited about
0: for the future of EPM right now?
1: Uh, I mean, we're excited about a whole lot of things. I mean, I think the, you know, the continued adoption that we've seen from customers, we're well over 7,000 customers now, that in the cloud in some form or another. Um, Just the scale that we're basically running and operating at, then we're seeing continued expansion inside of those customers. We start using more and more of our, of the solution set so starting maybe with console and then adding in some planning and then adding in some arcs and then adding in tax and now we're doing stuff with esg and a whole bunch of uh, other activities so we're you know we're very, very excited at, at you know across the board just all levels of of adoption that we're seeing yeah i could definitely echo
0: that i mean it seems like you know um last year it was the first year after the pandemic You know, things are still kind of a little bit iffy on, you know, how in-person events are going to be received. But, um you know, I was actually really impressed with last year, but I, I can't believe this year kind of blew out of the water. And, you know, from an EPM perspective, it seems like there's a lot of innovation happening. So, um, are there any new things that, uh, I know you gave a keynote today on, um, mm-hmm. some, uh, some new things that are coming out. Anything you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the focus that we have, at least the, the noise that we're getting now in terms of the buzz in the, in the industry as a whole is generative AI. And what does that mean? How that's going to work? And, and what's the appropriate use cases that we have in place? So we did give a, our perspective on that during the, uh, during the keynote today, which is the broader finance, uh, uh domain keynote. Uh, just in terms of where we expect to see that going. So, you know, we do anticipate it been a sort of, um, I would say a hybrid world. I know it's a very overused term at, uh, at Oracle, but it's, it's, um, this notion of traditional BI, which we'll be having the core products today, you know, your standard regressions and classifications and et cetera. Those algorithms will continue to be leveraged and used for what they're very, very good at. And then we basically expect to see the journey of AI just open up some new use cases for us, um, especially around the more, I would say the more qualitative nature of finance, you know, being able to generate, uh, you know, a great example would be in reconciliations, to generate notes that go along with the posting. Oh. Um, so you can just automate that entire process, wow. ensuring the quality will be, you know, much, much better, et cetera, et cetera, from that. So you're not necessarily having somebody type in some meaningless, sure. you know, whatever, <laughs> you actually get it generated uh, uh, on that behalf. So I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of excitement in terms of what we can do uh, yeah. with with generative AI.
0: So I know that there's several different types of uh, artificial intelligence. And mm-hmm. for folks that may not know the different types, could you describe what generative AI is versus maybe you know some more numeric or picture data or whatever it might be?
1: Yeah, so to, typically we basically view, I mean, everybody uses different terms. So the terms we've been, been sort of settled on is traditional AI, which is typically, um, it's a machine learning algorithm that's used for a specific task. And that task could be to do, generate a forecast right? And fundamentally, it's it's much more deterministic in nature, in terms of it's math, we know the math, we can explain the math, and therefore people feel be very, very comfortable in leveraging in that fashion, because it is understandable at a certain extent, and we know exactly what it is. So you may change your inputs, but you've got a good idea what the outputs are going to be. You know, in terms of what that looks like, and, and so this people is more statistical in nature, pretty statistical in nature, okay. but and it is still got machine learning. So as you give it new inputs, it will generate new outputs, etc., and it will adjust as it goes forward without without you necessarily having to code for that. But fundamentally, it it is, um, you know, they tend to be very good for a a specific task, and it does that one task and it does it extremely well. Generative AI is much more probabilistic in nature, in terms of depending on the what you train it the. Data sources you give it access to and the prompts that you then interact with mm-hmm. that data, it will then generate net new, net new content. So that would be like a chat GPT, for instance. It's basically chat GDP okay. and that's how it kind of popularized and it made it available for everybody. Right. So, you know, chat GDP people can do, you know, plan me a trip when I'm touring Europe and it will then spit out destinations you should go to in an itinerary and do that kind of stuff. Cause it's been trained on all of that data sets. The challenge with generative AI is that it can generate either misinformation or distorted information. Hallucinations, yeah. Hallucinations and all the sort of names that are around that particular piece that generally shows the bias of the model and it can also then show the bias of the data sets that it's been trained upon. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge that we have in finance is that's a no-no. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't create fake information, so to speak. We've got to be very, very clear on the, on the, the numbers. And that's to a certain extent why we believe that some of the numerical aspects of it will still remain within traditional AI because we no one can understand those, sure. where some of the more qualitative, subjective nature, you know, generating narratives, as an example, do, do belong inside the, the room that is, um,
2: that is generative AI. So then, when you um may encounter users that don't know as much about AI or and are a little hesitant in terms of you know enhancing the user's experience uh enhancing the human experience versus right. replacing it, how do you divide that right? How do you give them comfort that this is actually enhancing it? I mean those were great examples, but just taking a step step back conceptually
1: the goal that we see, if you take say you know generative AI and some of the other use cases it's things like you know. It'll start off with probably areas of what we would consider, you know, problem resolution. So the ability to synthesize data across multiple data sources and generate a, a response and do that quicker and faster is something that will, be, will happen first. We'll also expect to see areas of um, it generally sort of help. So if you take so your digital assistant and you up level mm-hmm. it a bit to have a much more native interaction rather than the very structured ways that they currently work today, mm-hmm. those things will happen more natively. Mm-hmm. So the, the ability to reduce training costs because of having just better access to the information and the ability to pull from many sources and generate that summary, um, th- those will be some of the first earlier ones. Then I think after that, it's probably into the more text heavy, but text heavy that does not require a whole lot of analytics. Um, cause then we can trust what has been generated and we'll get comfortable with that piece and take that mundaneness mm-hmm. out of it. And then we'll step into the much more complex arenas. And that's where you get into, you know, some of the demonstrations that we give during the, um, the keynote today. So we did a full narrative QBR. So, you know, starting off in Q2, generating the Q3 based upon that, updating all that content, generating all the text to, Annotate and explain what the numbers are and then allowing the user to interact with that and further enhance the data, uh, and further enhance the text that gets generated is, is basically the vision that we expect to get to, but we'll take some steps in order to get to that point. It, we're not going to go straight to that. It, uh, much like standard or traditional AI, we, it's, there's sort of a, a crawl, walk, run mm-hmm. kind of model you need to put in place. Um, you know, the challenge I would say we have right now is the expectation is that you know, I go straight to ChatGDP and and, right. I, and we can do this. And so there's this, you know, uh, unrealistic expectations in terms of, you know, how transformational it will be, mm-hmm. um, and it won't it won't happen immediately. You know, there's still yeah. challenges of, unfortunately, in finance we use a vocabulary that's not the same as the general public.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, so we have to train it on on finance terms. You know, what is a trillion twelve month? What is year over year? What's quarter over quarter? you know, what's top down versus bottom up, you know, just right. some basic things that we need to, even simpler than that, what is an account mm-hmm. and what's a balance? Because we're talking about, you know, financial constructs, not, you know, general constructs. And so there's a level of that that needs to be done. And then the other piece that we, we do need to be very mindful of is that we're now going to go after very confidential information and mm-hmm. in really having that be secure um, so that we're not sharing the information with, say, the LMM. LLM providers. Mm-hmm. We're not sharing it with other customers. You can only see your data. And the the advantage of this approach is is that when you then generate results and you know the source of the data happens to be your data, then mm-hmm. you can trust that that's going to be the right uh, inference from that, as opposed to it being in the, the word that we use, corrupted mm-hmm. by data from the general in, internet. From that standpoint, so you'd be very very careful as to what data you put in. So yeah. there is a you know there are. Steps that need to be taken in order to make sure that it gets rolled out in the in the right fashion, as opposed to it gets rolled out quick and mm-hmm. doesn't deliver the value, and then we move on to the next shiny object. Yeah. Um, and so we just we need to be mindful of managing expectations with it.
2: So on that maturity model, I know there's, you know, already some AI and machine learning built in, embedded Mm -hmm. into the product. Where do you see, you know, Oracle is on that path today? And is the partnership with Cohere, you know, as a step to move forward and accelerate that path? Can you speak broader to the vision of where you see it going?
1: Yeah, so I mean, one of the advantages that we like with Cohere is is Cohere as as an organization has got a, Their approach to generative AI is to leverage it to solve specific business problems, Mm -hmm. which is different than, say, open AI. And their approach is to uh, generate a much more human interaction in a much broader sort of context. They've got a bigger, grander vision um, from that standpoint, whereas we prefer working with a partner that's basically aligned to where we are. We're trying to solve business problems. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to solve a you know, human interaction issue, uh, to, to all intents and purposes. So I think that, that ends up being, you know, useful in terms of the partnership. I think the other piece that we do like with Cohere is the ability that we can bring the algorithm to the customer's data and not the other way around. <laughs> you know, so it gives right. us the, the secureness and the trust in terms of those particular elements. And it's just our ability to train the models effectively. You know, we can tell it exact. We can take their generic model, train us specifically on finance. And then once it's trained at that level, train it then further with the private cop, with the private customer data so that we can then move forward from that standpoint. So, uh, you know, we're very excited in terms of being able to leverage the partnership and really drive that forward. And then the other advantage that we have, and I, I know it's been talked about quite a lot here at the conference, it's the size and scale and the processors that we have in the, mm-hmm. the Gentry infrastructure. We have the plumbing. And we can then bring all those workloads on board and actually generate it and do those training quicker, faster, cheaper than other data data center providers that are out there. So it does give us a bit of an advantage mm-hmm. um, from that core standpoint.
0: Is your vision that this would be a separate product or built into the existing? No, I, I, I think
1: it's, it's it would be consistent with what we've done with the traditional AI. You know, our job here is not to surface technology. Our job here is to make a forecast better. Our job here is to make. The generation of a narrative report quicker, faster. And so we want to embed it into the flow that is the natural flow of the applications. It, it, it just, you know, the role that we have is to look at this technology and figure out the right use case for it and then have that surface in a natural way inside of the application rather than it's yet another thing you have to go learn or it's a platform feature you have to, you know, figure out what to do with it. Okay. Um, so we really want to, you know, embed it directly into the, into the, uh, the user experience that you have today. Okay. it just so happens that we elevate what you're currently doing today with uh, generative AI as opposed to having to learn a new way to do things. So I think I can picture how traditional
0: predictive analytics might function for deterministic type of artificial intelligence where Mm -hmm. it's more, you know, based on a mathematical formula, right? Um, How would I interact with a generative AI with an EPM? is it a chat bot is it, it,
1: it we're obviously we're we'll we'll see the interaction in a, in a couple of ways so you know one of the examples we'd have is a if you take say the um the narrative use case is that the ability to edit text and immediately then interact through a series of prompts with generative AI so one of the other ways that you can control the output from generative AI is to control the inputs so you if you can control the questions you can then guide the model to generate more appropriate responses. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be doing quite a lot of work on structuring the prompts correctly um, so that we actually get the appropriate responses coming back out of the model. Okay. Um, and so that we would expect this system, you know, literally it's when you you click on a set of text, a narrative to to edit, it'll come up with a prompt dialogue that you can then ask conversational finance style mm-hmm. questions or, I think it's what's the other one? Prompt to report mm-hmm. will be the new buzzwords that are out there that basically will enable it to generate then that appropriate text. The other piece that we wanted to be very very mindful of is that the user is still in control. You can throw away that generated text. You can edit that generated text. You're using that fundamentally as a first draft, right? In, in getting to the first draft quicker, as opposed to starting off with a blank sheet of blank sheet of paper. Um so that we always want to make sure that it's not replacing it's augmenting yep. and trying to do what you do much quicker and faster as opposed to you know we're going to get rid of everybody out of FPNA and we're just going to have the machine <laughs> generate QBRs you know it's yeah. not not our vision there's just way too much human judgment it's augmenting not
0: replacing yep. yeah um where are um what are some things that we have to look forward to in the maybe the near future i know you said that it's a crawl walk run fly approach mm-hmm. but you know um will i be able to you know, type in what are my costs of goods sold for last year and get a response back that's going to tie to my space queue, my planning application? Yeah, I
1: mean, there, there are two areas that we're, we're, there's a couple of areas that we're looking at. One area is the ability to generate a query, um, which is fairly consistent when you see a lot of the other generative AIs. Um, it, it's the ability to generate code. Mm-hmm. So you're not coding today. So the notion ends up being, it's like, well, I might as well generate SQL or in our case, it may be uh, MDX. Yeah. So we can just leverage it and train it to do that. Train it on the specific models that we have, here's the dimension model, here's the structure, and then just mm-hmm. have it generate the appropriate query, but do that sort of behind the scenes. So you're right. I will ask this question. We may then generate the the, the query, fire that against the database, the models, and then bring that response and present that visually to, to the to the end user. They may not have known that what we did was generate AI and behind the scenes in order to get to that response. So those are some of the areas that we're currently exploring and, and working with in terms of what's the level of fidelity we can get, what's the level of accuracy we can get from those places that we feel very, very comfortable it is generating a query that's just as good as what the you know the regular developer we've actually produced.
0: Yeah. So, I mean my mind is just going all over the place right now. I mean, I can think of <laughs> maybe adding on Alexa or Google Home or Siri. No, no, I mean exactly. I mean it ends up in yeah, yeah, it
1: doesn't necessarily have to be a type interface, it can be anything at that point in time. I mean, it's like you say, the the progress that has been made in that voice recognition and, and those things is pretty much routine these days. You know, you can't turn on on any electrical device without talking back to you, right? <laughs> um, so at, at that point in time, yeah, we do we do see sort of interacting through those particular mechanisms. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I mean it's an exciting time. Yeah. In terms, of, because the pace of innovation that's occurring, um, especially with the generative AI models, is amazing. Just how quick it's actually been able to move that forward. Do you envision a time where I can ask? Uh, and I'm maybe putting you on the spot here,
0: but how, if write me a, an allocation script in, uh, Cal script syntax to,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's one of those, you can do that today. You can go to chat GDP right. and it knows because we it's not a hundred percent there yet. I think that the cause the, the open model today is, is the, uh, gen three, the gen four can much better. Okay. And, and again, it will improve over time as it mm-hmm. knows more and more of the sources. So with, um, you know, all of our documentation been, public searchable public Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um the information is is sort of out there and so we we had had a few folks just you know generate me an allocation script to do blah 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 and it will then spit it out Um, and we've used it for a little bit on on, uh, groovy and we've used it for a little bit on on cal scripts and you know it definitely is showing promise but to your point i wouldn't necessarily trust it 100 percent for right now and and partly because we haven't trained even that model Right. So you know, chat GDP is sort of self training sure. in terms of the mm-hmm. sources it's got. We haven't actually spent time and we will do with Cohere in order to really fine tune that particular pace. Nice.
2: So without it being an open model, is there a social or crowdsourcing element that it doesn't have because you're not learning from other people's prompts or queries? It's your own use case. Or is that kind of the R&D job that you have, you know, in your team, right, to gather those
1: use cases? I think think there's a a fine line. And that's Mm -hmm. where we use, you know, it's a cohere kind of term where they basically use we don't want to corrupt the model. Right. If you know (laughs) what I mean. It's like because it it ends up being if people, if you keep feeding it wrong responses, it'll then lean that way. Yeah. And, and therefore you have to be very, very mindful in terms of what data sources you pull in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do believe that it, it, the, the model needs to not only have internal data, it's going to have to pull in the external data. So as you get into the more sort of like operational style use cases that were in conversation with some of our customers, in order to explain a miss or, you know, a golden opportunity, you need to bring in that external context. Mm-hmm. So it can be things like, Hurricane Lee came through and all the revenues for these stores in Florida dropped to the floor because nobody was shopping for a week, right? right. And being able to bring that information in and go, yep, we know and understand why that has occurred. Mm-hmm. And it may not be as dramatic as that. It could be something, you know, on a much, much smaller scale when you get down to very, very local style incidents that may occur. It's just how do I get that information so it, I can explain that number and explain it at that level of detail? Um, and therefore, we have to be mindful of, we have to bring in external but then you get into the, which data sources do you trust? Right. Which is the right data sources to pull in? Uh, and, and understanding on those particular levels so that we mm-hmm. actually can get, you know, the appropriate responses coming in through. Yes. You can't get away from garbage in and garbage out, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's the, I mean, it's, it's the ultimate garbage in, garbage out, right? Mm-hmm. If you feed it a bunch of garbage, you're just going to get a garbage answer much quicker and faster than what you could before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and that's why, you, you know, there has to be, I think what'll end up happening, we'll have new jobs you know, I'm a data curator and I'm this is basically my responsibility or yep. I'm a prompt manager and I manage the appropriate prompts that we need to put into the model. So I, I think there will be definitely, you know, some retooling that will be needed and some shifting of of some of those particular jobs. Uh, within right. organizations, in order to really leverage and take advantage of the technology,
0: yeah, it's maybe not so different from a you know report developer today who has to modify a report based off different needs. Yeah, I mean, it's,
1: it, you're right. I mean, it ends up in it's it's somewhat analogous to you know we used to have three GL languages where we spent a lot of time programming, and then we had four GL languages where we generated a lot of that code, you know, going back, and now we're basically in in following a similar style of pattern. You know, right. yes, we used to do it like this, and now things will change, and and we just have to relearn that different skill set in order to take advantage. So yeah. Yeah.
2: But the primary motivation just fundamentally is to be able to do what you do, you know, faster, right? Get the speed and then and efficiencies, right. And then eventually as we train it, the model, it'll get Better and better with new insights, right? Or no, no yeah. I mean, accuracy. the notion is there will
1: be an accuracy in that in that yes. element too. Yeah, yeah.
2: accurate yeah. insights
1: and new. Because I mean, it, and that's to a certain extent, we we really like the whole process of of marrying both traditional and mm-hmm. generative together. So right. you know, as an example in the demo that we gave this morning, we used insights, right? So IPM insights we've had in the product for a while. Mm. It generates these sort of needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. Things that you should be paying attention to, or 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 not, it could be you know it's just not that meaningful. But at least you you, you we're, we have the ability to pull those in and then generate text based upon that insight. And because we know where the insights come from, we can then trust mm-hmm. that the generation is going to be appropriate, right? right? So I think there's there's nice ways to basically blend the two, the mm-hmm. two together that will basically give real value for for customers. Excellent. So
0: one of the questions we'll probably get from customers is do I have to pay more for this or is it just going to come out with my next release? Of <laughs> no, it'll, it'll,
1: it'll. I mean, our, pro, our goal is to just it'll just come out and you know, there'll be some monthly updates and it'll show up and you know, much like we did with, um, with insights uh, right. or, or we did with, uh, you know, predictive planning and in those, those kind of uh, uh, elements. It's just, we're just making the platform richer and be able to extend that back out through. Yeah.
0: That's exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, we have customers that, um, that are still in that crawl to walk mm-hmm. kind of phase, right? I mean, you know, their basics—they basically needs around statutory reporting, or perhaps you know, uh, creating their their budget book. Um, Where do you recommend that they do some more research or kind of figure out like how they should adopt something like generative AI, and how? Well, how do you assess the readiness of an organization for something like this?
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's a good question because it, it fundamentally it will boil down to the equality. Um, so the data quality. You're going to yeah. have to have very, very good data quality. And there are many things that you can, well, there are many challenges even today with what we have existing in the product. You know, we've, well, you guys are familiar. We've tried a few places to leverage transaction matching for, say, in our company and suddenly find out because of a lack of reference governance, you're not matching anything. Mm-hmm. And they have to go back and put in, you know, EDMCS, make sure the, the the reference data is consistent, correct. You've got to look at your base processes or how you're collecting data in the first place and ensuring that th- those processes are up to speed and you can actually move forward. Um, you know, so I, we would generally encourage customers to start, you know, switch on insights and just see what you get out of that. And if you're getting a lot um, you've probably got a data quality issue. <laughs> uh, but, it, it, you know, basically refine that so you yeah. can understand how that works and how how it actually can drive things forward. And it's it it's tends to be a little bit, of, well, first of all, it's very easy to turn on, so it doesn't cost a whole lot in order to do that. But you can get, you know, some eureka moments out of your data. They basically yeah. go, oh, I had no idea that that product was doing so bad in that region, but we couldn't see it because at an aggregated level, it all looked fine. But it's telling us something and now we need, we can go and figure out, okay, what really is occurring? Mm-hmm. And is it a local one-off kind of thing? Or if it is, you know, something that's a little bit more nefarious that we have to spend more time and energy really, really paying attention to. The whole goal here is to extend insights further across the rest of the tooling that we have in place. So right now it's inside of planning. We want to bring it to free form. We want to bring it to consolidation. And, and it's going to be extremely important in the consolidation space as we see Organizations move to the continuous close kind of mm-hmm. moniker, mm-hmm. and the only way you can achieve that is to spot problems as soon as possible so you can then take action within the period in order to correct right so then, you can't do it after you know you can't do it at the quarter end because it's right. already happened right yeah. so you know it really is trying to push that decision point further up the you know as soon as you can and insights is a great way to get a you know you have that sort of early warning system if mm-hmm. you want mm-hmm. that things are starting to go odd and maybe you should start you know and some of it can be it's just data quality somebody posts the wrong thing to the wrong journal and if we fix it you know (laughs) it all goes back to normal and we're okay but it's it's really trying to you know find those things early
2: right so do you see then the ai capabilities bouncing between epm and the transactional systems that are the data sources and back and forth so erp right scm can you talk a little bit about how you see it going from you know beyond epm
1: yeah, and I think that we were, I mean, it's one of the areas that we're sort of working on right now. It's one of the first projects that we're doing, which is in the predictive cash forecasting. And I think we talked about maybe last year um, where we should be releasing that uh for beta customers first quarter next year. And then full general availability for everybody who uh, is basically cloud ERP and cloud EPM customers um, in the second quarter. And that is what we're doing is we're extracting out of uh the ERP uh invoice level detail full attribution, and then leveraging machine learning across that to predict when we expect that invoice to be paid. Mm. So we look at things like payment terms, we look at the nature of it, is it electronic or paper? We look at a various different mm. criteria that's in place, and then we can come up with a fairly accurate prediction as, yes, this will be late, or yes, this will be early, to all intents and purposes. And because of that, we now have got a much, much better control over the um, inflows and the outflows. If you look at it uh, you know, from a payables and a, and a receivable standpoint, we can... More accurately, project what your cash balance will be over a much finer grain of time. So, over the next sixteen weeks, we know exactly where it will be and where where um, where you need to either increase reserves or you can free up reserves because you don't need it. A well, very timely topic considering the tight money supply. That yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you know, economy. it's one of those yeah. things. It's like cash is always king. It's just sometimes the shine comes <laughs> off. Yeah. Um But now it's starting for for sure to come back back onto that particular area. So that is a joint development between ourselves. In the EPM side of the house, where mm-hmm. we're doing a bunch of predictive stuff in predictive planning, and the the core ERP. Um so we're actually starting to expose those particular elements. Could we ultimately then see insights running against the ERP data? Sure. That's right. definitely within the possibility of where we can do stuff. And again, mm-hmm. it's it's as we look towards those, you know, connected planning style use cases, mm-hmm. we need to spot things like there's a supply chain problem that's going to cause us not being able to deliver something. Right. And because of that, that's going to impact the finance. Finance is, in most cases, a lagging indicator. Right. Mm. Stuff has already happened operationally <laughs> sure. before it shows up in yep. finance. Yep. And, and it's like it's too late. So you have to get back into the detailed transactional in order to really see you know, what is occurring, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and take that corrective action much, much sooner than what you had before. or, Or for that matter, it's not always negative. It could be one of those this product is hot cakes and it's selling right <laughs> off and it's like we got to double down and change, yeah, right. you know, manufacturing schedules to produce more of that than less of that because this is hot right now uh, and we got to take advantage of that opportunity. So, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I, I definitely see, you know, areas where we can do extensions more into the uh, inside operational modeling and operational arena.
2: And like you said, bringing in macroeconomic factors and being very mindful about what you bring in to help connect the loop, right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're having conversations with, with, you know, some, I mean, we had conversations with the, uh, actually a supermarket chain on, you know, they want to bring in weather. They want to bring in, (laughs) you know, other information so they can know and understand what's occurring at that particular level.
2: So uh before we close, you know, we always like to end on a personal note. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're really excited about, you know, all the innovation coming up. But, um, you know, is there any one thing in particular that, you know, type of problem you like to solve or you see yourself getting really excited about? Is it the AI space, you know, specifically that you're talking about or connected planning? Right. That you also touched on.
1: Cash forecasting. Cash forecasting. No, I, I think I mean, we would. The technology is somewhat interesting. And yes, I'm a, I'm a technologist at a certain mm-hmm. level. So there is some interest now. In but the thing about it is really is solving, you know, the customer problem and being able to extend that the sphere of problems that we can solve. That okay. is probably the more exciting piece where you basically go, yes, we can solve that problem. Whereas five years ago, it wasn't possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and, and now we, we are in a position where we can take advantage of the various, you know, innovations that are occurring at a core tech level and, and bring those to, to customers, but bring it in context inside of the processes that they know and understand so we can then, you know, further extend them to go after, you know, connect the planning use cases or other use cases that may exist out there.
0: Absolutely. Well, super exciting times. Uh, Very glad to have you kind of enlighten us on your path to the singularity. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) The singularity um, date may have come in a couple of years because, but no, we're still a ways, a ways. Yeah. So, um, you know, thanks for stopping by and um, we'll see you next year. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you.